Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. Think about it with what a day when you see the look on his face. You know, you think about it. If we've done a well done, a good and faithful servant, it'd be an odd look. But what about the look when Jesus turned to Peter when he denied him? That's another look. How many of you would like to have that look? Uh, we've been going through the uh, series on Paul, and uh, you remember we had one on goads, basically how God used different things in Paul's life, and he goaded him, so whether it be the Old Testament Scripture, the death of Stephen, the preaching of Peter and others. Uh, any of you ever had the guy using goads kind of prodding you along? Scripture, whatever. You also have the, if you remember the solitude, he was in Arabia for three years, and then roughly uh, nine years, he was then obviously in Tarsus. Uh, basically spending time with the Lord and uh, learning a lot of different things. And then uh, you also, if you remember, he, a lot of times just like the wife, you just need some sleep. You, know, you just get overly tired and you know you get really discouraged. Uh, last week, you remember, we saw independence. We are set free, but then we have dependency on the Holy Spirit to, for things to uh, open up. But then also an interdependence that we have on each other. <coughs> Today, we're going to look at... Uh, a little bit about the teamwork and or second fill. I think it's interesting when you we look at it. Uh, do you realize there's at least 27 individuals named that were upon Paul's team, as well as many many others that are not mentioned. We already saw it. And if you remember, how did he the brethren let him down through the wall? Remember, other brothers took him by night and let him out. We don't know who those brothers were. So you you think about how many that you have. In fact, it was interesting that Leonard uh, Bernstein, the famous composer and conductor of the New York Philharmonic, was asked this question, how would you answer it? What is the most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play? Francis, others could think about it without really thinking much about it. What do you think his answer was? Second fiddle. Second. Yeah, second chair. Because so often everybody wants to be first, you know, they want to have the... And I think it's interesting, there's many sports teams that have trouble with it. What broke up the Chicago Bulls? Scotty Pippen was tired of being second fiddle to Jordan. What broke up the Los Angeles between uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant? What happened to the Oklahoma Thunder? Because the three of them couldn't get along. They all wanted to have it, so they break it up. So often you find that with teams, but you find that also you find the same thing among a lot of believers as well. You need to have it. You stop and think about it. Moses, did he have people that were on his team? You think about Aaron, you think about Jethro, you think about Miriam, Joshua. You know, you also you think about what about David? Jonathan, his mighty men, different ones that helped spare his life, Abigail that should keep him from committing murder. A lot of different people we don't think about that played a part in his life. But anyone that you have, 
How many of you ever heard of a man by the name of Paul Selheimer? But have you ever heard of Chuck Swindoll? His main right-hand man all those years was Paul Selheimer. Who was Martin Luther? Famous right-hand man that helped him so much through the Reformation. Wasn't his wife. His wife did a good job. Philip. And who's the main, actually the main theologian behind it? But we don't even know his name. So, so often we have second fiddle, but you want you look a little bit about it. You had uh, was David and his three friends were they important to each other? So you stop and you think about it. What about Billy Graham? How important was Cliff Barrows and George Beverly Shea? You look throughout all of it, you have some very important people. So I wanted to look a little bit about it, and this is really uh, similar. You have that the pattern was all the way in Mark. If you remember Mark six seven when Jesus had the twelve, you don't have to turn there, but when Jesus had the twelve, he sent them out how two by two. So I want you to think about it, uh, why he sent them, you know, why he does that. Look in Ecclesiastes just for a moment, because we want to look at just a couple of those individuals that were in Paul's team. Haven't decided yet if we're going to look at more of next week or not, but Ecclesiastes 4, obviously written by Solomon. We'll also see some in Proverbs, but just the practical part, the pattern of sending it out by two that Christ said it, the practical advice. You notice in chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, verse 9 to 12, it makes the statement, Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. You accomplish more with two than with one. What about verse 10? For if either one of them falls, the one who lifts them lifts up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is no one to lift him up. Any of you ever need assistance? You need that assistance to help you. You go to verse 11. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Verse 12. If one can, if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. It's easy for one, but we, so why is it so often that ladies or anything else do they tell you to walk or do anything else with two or three of you? very same thing. It's protection. It helps. And so I think it's important just the practical part of being together. And one of the things that you have, remember it says in Peter, Satan goes about roaring as a lion seeking whom he may devour. Who does the lion attack? The weak. The weak, the straggler. He doesn't go right into the middle of the deal. He takes the one out that's by itself. And so I think it's important when we look at it. He had the same thing he wrote earlier in Proverbs. In 27, you turn back a few pages. He wrote in verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How many of you have friends who will be honest with you? How many of us like the yes people? We find people, we, anytime there's controversy, we go to them because they're going to tell us what? What we want to hear, but you really want a friend who is then going to be honest with you and tell you the truth. You go looking down a little bit further in verse 9, the second half. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. How many of you really have a friend who's going to be honest in this day? Anybody ever tell you you're at fault or hey, you're not good for this or whatever it might be? You go down verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Anytime you're in a deal, I'm sure Errol will get it, so on, you get the different engineers together and how many of you all of a sudden you 
one brings up something you hadn't thought about and it can totally change your course if we're open to listen and if it's open enough where the conversation can be given. But I think it's important just the practical aspects of having a team. In fact, I think if you look at any church that is successful, you will find it has a good team. It is never done by one individual. It will be done by a team. And so I want us to think about that. Do I use people or value them and their impact? Any of you ever been places where you felt used? I'll never forget a number of years ago I had a co-worker I hadn't been with that long and he would always ask me questions at work about different things that were going on. And I'd tell him a different thing. I walked in the office one day and all of a sudden every time he was calling the boss in Toledo and he would get to pump me for information and he would turn around and do what? He'd send it to the boss. Which is fine, but it would be nice if he would have said, Dan and I were talking in this. You know, this is what happens. Uh, we have another that doing all this. We've done this and this and that for the meeting. I said, I didn't see any we in the pocket when I was out there doing it. You know, and I think there's a lot of truth. If you want a good team, you need to really recognize it. So you notice, I think we need to give credit where it's at. So let's look a little bit about the different ones, some of Paul's members. And we've already talked quite a bit about one, so we won't have to say a lot unless we've been going through the book of Acts and we'll be in Acts as well as some others. If you remember uh, Barnabas, I think is a, uh, what's his real name, by the way? And how did he get his name, Barnabas? What's his real name? Joseph, I mean, Acts chapter 4, he's from Cyprus. If you remember, we've seen that before. And he was given that because he's an encourager. And he then encourages people. He's a distinguished member. In Acts 4, he sold property. If you remember later in chapter uh, 11, if you remember, he also, when the Antioch, if you remember when the, uh, after the, the persecution, they spread, they left obviously Jerusalem and it spread and they then, gospel came to the Gentiles in Antioch and so the apostles took Barnabas and recommended that he go there. So as distinguished, he distinguished himself with the apostles, he then served there, he then goes off and he sends, he's distinguished. He's also a defender. Who is the when Paul came to know Christ? Do you remember after three years he wanted to go see the Jerusalem uh, the apostles and they wouldn't? Who took him there? Barnabas did. That's his nature, but he recognized Paul as real and he wants to. And we need to get him. What happens? The same thing happens with John Mark. If you remember when they had the missionary journey and John Mark deserted. You know, you see that with Barnabas. He recognizes John Mark's worth saving. Paul doesn't want him on the missionary journey, so they split. You notice Barnabas then goes with him to Cyprus. But the end of 2 Timothy, when Paul's about to die, what does he say? Pick up John Mark, for he is useful for service. He defended Paul. He defended John Mark. And by the way, when was the Gospel of Mark written and by whom? John Mark wrote it and it was after he had the desertion. And Barnabas basically, obviously. So I think it's important to recognize he's a defender of him. You also notice when he had the, we saw last week when he, Jonathan the Barnabas had all these great, uh, many, many people coming to know Christ in Antioch 
it says he left Antioch to go where? To Tarsus to get Paul because he needed help with the ministry. Now, how many of us are willing to say, okay, I'm top dog here, but I can't do this alone, and I need help. And I'm going to go get them, but when I do, then we're also not going to open room for others to serve. Uh, and I think it's interesting when they do that, he desires him and he wants him on the team. And he goes and gets him. He's also a designing team member in Acts 13. We saw, remember, it says, Set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the ministry that I have. And they went on the missionary journey. Now you think about it. You go from one location, you then are sent to Antioch, and now you're being sent. How many of us are willing to say, the Lord, no matter what He opens up, no matter what He says, we're just going to get up and uh, we're going to go anywhere? How many of us are homebodies? You think about it. How many of us are willing to just get up and move? And I think it's interesting. You have uh, the different parts He was willing to go. And this look one that we haven't looked at, but we do know quite well, and then we'll look at it in a second slide. Group, but look over in the Acts chapter 14 for a moment. And they had a, they're on their missionary journey, talking about Barnabas and Paul, and they had a, uh, a miracle that took place in Acts 14, a healing. And notice in verse 12, after the healing, Part of the teaching that they had in the, uh, among the people was that the gods would sometimes come down to earth in the form of a man. And when they had this healing, they immediately came to the conclusion that the gods had come down to earth. And notice what they said in verse 12. They began calling Barnabas Zeus. Now who is Zeus in mythology? Okay, that's the chief god. And called Paul Hermes. Who's Hermes? In Greek mythology, or that's the great order. So even the people, when they recognize, of course, they immediately say, "No, we're just human beings, just as you are. This was God that's doing it, not us." But it's interesting. The people recognized who was the leader and who was the order. And notice from on, you know, Paul was the that one. But again, Barnabas. How much would be willing if you were Barnabas? to recognize I need help and you're willing to then become second fiddle and Paul's now the great order. And I think it's interesting that you have that. So when you look at it, he was willing to play second fiddle and you find him encouraging people, but do I care more about myself and my ambition or more about Christ and the ministry? Paul Barnabas cared so much about the ministry that he knew he needed help and he knew that Paul was the right man for the job. How many of us are willing to step aside and let somebody else do it? And uh, you don't find it very often. You really don't. But that's what we, for a team to really work together, we do it. And so I think about it, since Barnabas, we'd already done a lot, uh, you know, have already seen quite a bit of bonding. Uh, but do I allow uh, God to, uh, to promote me too? They needed help in Antioch. Did Paul say, I'm the man, I'll go? Or did Barnabas go look for him? And it said he found him. He had to go look for him. How many of us are always there? And then today, it's always done through what? You you move up in the world by using people, 
by promoting yourself through connections. And you notice Paul serves faithfully and Barnabas comes to him. How do we allow God to come to us and promote us? It's interesting. Because of the movie, I wanted to look at a second one. The one's on Wednesday night. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, I've often called them the typical couple. You ever have any, uh, how many Christians that are wanting to promote themselves and lie and do other stuff? But I think the ideal couple is Aquila and Priscilla. So let's look a little bit about them. Do you realize there's 13 years of their life that's in Scripture? So you'll find them if you start off in Acts chapter 18. Part of it because of the movie and a correction he's made, but in Aquila and Priscilla. They're mentioned six times in Scripture. Aquila is the husband. Priscilla is the wife. And four of the six times, her name is listed before his, which would be unusual, but obviously she's very prominent and also quite a, uh, a person as well. But we'll get a little bit about the background in chapter 18, starting at verse 1, and we'll go through verse 5. After these things, he, taught Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus. Okay, where's Pontus at? It's on the Black Sea, right on the edge of the Asia Minor. Acts chapter 2, when Paul pre or when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, there was Jews from Pontus that were there. They come to know Christ. They go back to Pontus. That's probably how Aquila came to know the Lord. Okay, but notice having recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla. By stating it that way, it means Priscilla is not Jewish, or he would have said that. So she is, and it's also a, a Gentile name, a Roman name. And they notice it says they, because of uh, Claudius is uh, kicking them out. Claudius did that in 49-50 AD. So that tells us they haven't been here very long. They get kicked out. They're Christians, and they get kicked out of Rome. They come here. And by the commands to leave, and notice then in verse 3, because he was of the same trade, that was a tent maker, if you remember Jewish men would teach their sons a trade, and so Paul was taught a trade, they also have the same trade, and they then join up. Now, Gwen, what does that say about them? If you just moved to a city and you're setting up your trade, how many of you want to have another person come in? join that trade and how of you if you just got kicked out from being a Rome and this was a obviously a Roman uh, city that you had a port just uh, a few miles off as well how do you want to welcome a guy who is everywhere he goes he has trouble with Jew and Gentile he keeps getting everywhere and how of you just got kicked out of the city for being a Christian and how are you going to welcome the most uh, notorious Christian that you have you notice He's reasoning in verse 4 in the synagogues and stuff, and then when it says when Silas and Timothy, two more of his team members, come, he's able to devote himself completely. So he stops work. How can he stop work? Who's supporting him? Silas and Timothy might have brought a gift, but Aquila, all of them are supporting him so that he can do his spiritual in the teaching and reasoning that he's so good at. But if they don't support him, he has to do what? Work tent making and it takes it away. We don't give credit to these people because they were willing to basically take on another person. They were able, he was able to do this. 
And so they're there, and if you look down, they're there in verse 11. They were there for 18 months together. So here you have them. They've been in Corinth, tent making, they welcome him, they support him. And then if you notice in verse 18, they leave Corinth, and you'll notice you find in 18 they leave, and they go to, in verse 19, they go to Ephesus. If you remember earlier, Paul was not allowed to go to Ephesus because he got the Macedonian call. So now they go from, from Corinth, which is Greece, to Ephesus, which is Asia Minor. Aquila and Priscilla, go with them. If you go with them, it means you're going to have to do what with your business? Close it. And start a new one all over again. Now it's interesting when you look at it, this part of it, while he... So they're at Ephesus... And you'll notice in verse 21, they're at Ephesus, and Paul's there for a short period of time, or for actually he's there for two years according to Acts earlier, and, and then he leaves, and he leaves Aquila and Priscilla there. So now they're at Ephesus by themselves, and Paul leaves after two years. And you'll find in verse 24 down to 27, a great speaker... In mighty in the scriptures in verse 24, Apollos comes. But they didn't have your all the media that we have today. And so Apollos knows about Jesus through John's baptism. He knows Jesus is the promised Messiah, but he doesn't know that Jesus had died and had been raised again and gone to heaven. So he's teaching them from scripture, but he doesn't know the, the rest of the story. You're in the audience. You're Aquila and Priscilla, tent makers. What are you going to do? You'll notice it says in verse 26, he began to talk about Apollos, he began speaking out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now how many of you are willing to think about your you're tent makers. But a person's not speaking, he, he doesn't speak the whole truth because he doesn't know the whole truth. Are you then going to take him aside, show him, and Apollos accepted it, and he goes on teaching accordingly. You know, again, what a great couple. How many of them are saying, well, that's too scared, I'm going to do it. I'm, they're, they're doing this. I think it's interesting how they do it. And uh, he then goes on and he accepts that. In 28, he goes on and speaking the truth and he then moves on talking about, uh, about Apollos. And I think it's interesting that also while he's at Ephesus, he does something else. So again, what kind of couple is this? Does they, you know, they support Paul. They correct someone on their incorrect doctrine. Notice none of it's not how they can name themselves. They didn't do it to embarrass him. They take him aside, an honest mistake. Look over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. I think it's, you'll find this interesting in chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And what you have in the, this part, in verse 8, you'll find Paul is where? He's at Ephesus. So he's writing 1 Corinthians from Ephesus, which would be approximately 56 A.D. 
And notice what does he have to say when you go down to verse 9, or a little bit further on, you look on it. Go to verse 19. When he writes, The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord, with the church that's in their home. So now, notice they were at Corinth for 18 months. They go to Ephesus. Paul's writing the letter back to Corinth. Aquila and Priscilla are sending greetings. And what's where is the church meeting in Ephesus? In their home. You think about it. Is that What kind of a burden is that going to put on you too? You've already got kicked out. And now you have believers and you're meeting in your home and everything else in a and you have the great, you know, the uh, great Athena and so on, the gods that you have there, and here you have them. So you think about it: church meets in their home. You support Paul. You know the doctrine. You correct the doctrine, and you're teaching. It's interesting. What look over in Romans chapter 16. This will be two years later. And if you remember, Paul and Chapter 15. Paul always wanted to come to Rome according to verse 22 and 23. Verse 24 of chapter 15 it says, Whenever I go to Spain, I hope to see you in passing. 25, you'll notice he is going to Jerusalem because there's the famine and they have picked up, they've taken the collections. So Paul is taking the money from the Corinthians and all those and bringing it to Jerusalem. Now we know the book of Acts, what happens when he gets to Jerusalem. He's going to get arrested, you remember, he's going to then be had the shipwreck and he's going to go to Rome. But his plan was to go to Spain by way of Rome. Remember we're talking about Aquila and Priscilla. So look in verse 16. He's writing from uh, you know, he's writing here, and you look at it. Notice what he says, and he tells you who he's writing, where he's writing from. Notice in verse 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is servant of the God, which is of the church, which is at, what's the next one? Where is that? That is the port city of Corinth. So Paul's writing the book of Romans. He's getting the collections from the Jerusalem for the Jerusalem church from Macedonia. He's writing to Rome outside of Corinth. Notice who probably carried the letter who's from this area who's now in Rome. I commend to you Phoebe. Phoebe is carrying the letter. How important is Phoebe to the ministry? How could the letter of Romans get to Rome if you don't have somebody carry it? Each letter in the New Testament was personally carried by a believer. The money was carried by believers. So notice it's interesting what it says about her, one of the people who was on his team. He says, writing to the Roman church, you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. We're not told how she helped Paul, just that she did. Notice then, so we have Phoebe. She's helping it wherever she's at. 
She carries the letter to Rome. They tell Roman believers, help her any way you can. Notice what it then says. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. So where are they at now? They're back in Rome. Well, didn't they just get kicked out a few years earlier? Okay, so they get kicked out. They go to Corinth. They stay there 18 months. They then go to Ephesus. They stay there two years. They're now back in Rome. So here they are. The, notice it's interesting. He said, my fellow believers. Does Paul think he's any higher than they? No. No. He calls them his equal, fellow workers. One of the greatest things you'll have on any team is when people see each other as equals. We need each other. Notice the next thing he says about it, which we're never told when this happened. Who risked, for, for my life, risked their own necks to whom not, not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. We're never told how they risked their lives for Paul. But they did. Notice in verse 5. Also greet what? The church that's in their home. They have a church in their home in Corinth. Church at home in Ephesus. A church at home when they get to Rome. They open up their home. They serve. They do the tent making. They know their Bible. And they're serving people. And I think it's interesting we don't often give people like this the credit. Who gets the credit? Paul does. But if you don't have people like this, it's not going to work. It's interesting when you look at it. Notice the last time you're going to find it. Look over in the find them mentioned. Look over in uh, 2 Timothy, Paul's last letter. And this will fit with what you're seeing in the movie. Those that have been watching parts of it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul is writing to Timothy according to chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. Timothy is at Ephesus. He's the pastor at Ephesus setting things in order. And notice in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, he's uh, asked uh, in verse 9, he says, Make every effort to come to me. Talking about Timothy. And Demas is left. Notice in verse 11, only Luke is with me. And pick up John Mark, obviously the one that wasn't there but go on a little bit further and notice in verse 19 greet Priscilla and Aquila where are they at now? they left Rome and they're now back where? (coughs) Timothy's in Ephesus they're now back at Ephesus you think about that as a business person how many times do you want to change your business and start all over again. Every time you find them, notice then they were had been in Ephesus before and the church met in their home. They went to Rome. Uh, why they left Rome, we're not told. But now you find them back. It also would have been during the time of Nero and the burnings of the city and all the rest, which is what the movie talks about. And you notice the movie, it says they want to go to Ephesus. This is where they're getting it from. And they left. So what do you think about Aquila and Priscilla? Were they a pretty good couple? Were they thinking about themselves? Were they thinking about the ministry? They did whatever they could to help Paul. They opened their home up. You think about how much persecution. You go anywhere in the world today, 
where there's a lot of persecution and you open your home up for believers to come in, you're also opening yourself up for what? Being arrested. They got kicked out for being Christians. They go back to Rome as Christians. Everywhere they go, you find them serving the Lord, serving faithfully. And I think it's important we need to recognize the godly people that we have but just how important they are. And do you think they're going to be here of that well done, now good and faithful servant one day? So think about it. Uh, do I con- confront incorrect doctrine? They did. Paul did it when it was a public sin. They did it privately because it was not intentional. What about do I open my home up and my occupation up? You hear somebody coming and you're same work that you are and they're looking for work? Do you? Well, I don't have enough open, you know, I can't do this or whatever. Notice they opened it up to welcome them in and support them. Will I risk my life for another believer? They did. We're not told how or when, but they did. Either at Corinth or at Ephesus, we're not told us when. But think about it. How important is Paul's team? And those are just three of the members that are on his team. Think about all the others that he had. And I, f- I think you'll find in any church or anything that's gone and done a lot for the Lord, there are tremendous people that are on that team that do stuff. And what happens is we just have to wait and let the Lord point it. Do you think the Lord's going to be talking to I really believe one day we're going to get up there and we're going to hear all kinds of tremendous accolades for people we have never heard anything about. And all the great things that they did for the Lord. And so you think about it. Who led Billy Sunday to Christ? Who led? Do you think they're going to get any type of great reward? And so think about it. You and I have a part to do, whether it's working with the kids or whatever it might be. We have something to do. So think about it. Great encourager, the second fiddler with uh, Barnabas, or this the ideal godly couple with Aquila and Priscilla. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.